Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I'm fired up today. I got a really, really amazing guest on the show today. Some of you have heard of him. Some of you have not heard of him. But after today, I think you'll probably never forget him. So without any more from me, I want to welcome my buddy, Joshua Berglund to the show. Joshua, welcome to the show, man. Good morning. How are you? Dude, if I was any better, I'd be you. Uh, <laughs> well, man, it's great to see you, and it's uh, very humbled for the opportunity. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled that you um, said yes. Um, I asked you to be on the show, and you said I, you'd be honored. I was like, wow, that's awesome, man. Thank you. I, 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 I said that before knowing I had to be on at eight o'clock in the morning, my time. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to talk too much before 11 o'clock, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> you said that before. That's funny, man. So I see, I see a bunch of people joining. Brian Hess is on here. He's the one that, um, yeah, he's, he's the one that said, Hey, you gotta go check out that interview and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But um, so, so, you know, I, as I told you before the show started, I created this to, um, help people. I believe that there is true power in hearing other people's stories of how they had hardships. They had a hard time in life and somehow they busted through and, and made it anyway. So I, I'm excited to hear your story, man. So why don't we start with you sharing with everybody where you were born and raised a little about what it was like growing up as a child. A good place to start. Yeah. Um, I am from Oklahoma and uh, a proud Sooner fan. <laughs> I do live in uh, Los Angeles, California now, though, and this is definitely home for me. But when I was born, I was born in Oklahoma City. Um, my mom is, to, to this day, still the biggest influence of my life. She's incredible. Uh, she was a beaut She modeled growing up. But she was also, when I came home after school, she was always there with a snack, cheese crackers, grapes and apples. It was awesome. My father uh, was an entrepreneur. Um, you know, we were very, we were, I would say upper middle class. I wouldn't say rich, but in Oklahoma, upper middle class is, is doing pretty well. I mean, we, I was dropped off at the country club every day and learned how to, uh, I think that's where I got the, the nickname, the mayor, really just being dropped off and kind of, you know, being around all different people and learning that everyone's really the same, regardless of, you know, your socioeconomic background or any of that stuff. Right. Um, it was an amazing childhood. My two sisters, um, I say it was an amazing childhood. It was an amazing childhood for up until about seven years old. Um, my sisters were there at the house. They were my half sisters, but to me, they were sisters, my little brother, my mom and dad. We had this picture perfect Lily White, Leave it to Beaver family. And then one day it just went away. Um, wow. I'll never forget the day that my mom told me that my sisters were gone and they weren't coming back. And in my young brain, I process that as they've abandoned me because they didn't say goodbye. I don't know why they're leaving. And I internalized it as it was something that I did. And God, I can, I can, I remember the night terrors that I, like I, that I started to have like right after that, but really where things I think started to go south 
was right after that, that's when I remember the abuse of my mother, myself, um, and my brother starting to happen with my father. And, um, and also around that time I was molested by two men for the first time. Wow. Um, so seven years old for me is a series of traumas that were like, <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if I, if I may, I, I want to, where did, what happened with your sisters? Where they, what ha I mean, I didn't know, um, until about, it was about 15 years later, I'm give or take a year. I mean, yeah, forgive sure. that. I, Believe me, I, I did a lot of damage to my brain <laughs> over the years. But the, the timing, um, I didn't know what the truth was for a long time. Again, I still thought it was something I did. Yeah. Um, but I come to find out that my father was inappropriate. Um, and whatever that looked like specifically, yeah. I don't know. Um, but my wow. father was inappropriate with one of my sisters. Um, I heard little stories and it's like, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. So either way, yeah. not knowing for that long was pretty damaging, but then then there was just that void too, you know, just like I, I want, like I, these were my sisters and then they're gone. And now even to this day, I've seen uh, one of my, the sister I was closest to, I've seen her once. I saw the older sister, the one that my father was inappropriate with at his funeral. But unfortunately, I hated my father so much I showed up an hour late to his funeral, still high on cocaine. Um, so I don't really remember my interaction with my sister very much. Wow, dude. Wow. Holy crap. High on cocaine at your father's funeral. Yeah, I was doing, I did cocaine till about 6 a.m. The funeral started at 8. Um, I showed up at 9. And it eventually started wearing off at the, uh, the after party at his funeral. It was... It was not a proud moment in my life by any means, right. but I, you know, to be honest with you, I hated him so much that yeah. I wasn't thinking about anything but myself. So, so you went through, um, so, so life was perfect until about seven ish and, <laughs> yeah. and then, um, things started to go sideways and in, in life and abuse and, and on every level. Um, and, and then, then, so what what happened from there? Did your did, I mean, did they ever get divorced or did they stay together? Oh, the my mom. I used to pray to God. I remember you know those bed posts like that with those beds that had the big giant posts. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget the day my father ripped off that post in fighting with my mom. Um, my mom caught my mom caught my father sleeping with. Um, like they had a, a couple they were best friends with and my father was sleeping with the wife. Oh my God. And my mom ended up knocking his teeth out on vacation Ugh. and finally got the courage to leave. Wow. Uh, I, <clears throat> mind you, it, what, what came, I prayed to God for that divorce, but the truth is that what came with the, the after effects were pretty screwed up in itself. I mean, some of the, th the games that my father was playing and, uh, the manipulation and things like that. It was really in what he was trying to do to sabotage my mom. Wow, dude. I'll, to be honest with you, I'll never, I'll never, ever forget that either. Wow. Um, as far as the, the trauma goes, I mean, the stuff that I did to myself, the trauma that I did to myself and others was far worse than what 
I hate to minimize being molested by men and women and physically abused, but the fact is, I, I really looking at it, I've done more damage to myself by not using my voice getting help as a child. Yeah. I did way more damage <clears throat> to myself sure. than anyone has done to me. Sure. So I, I wanted I wanted to say that because I'm not a victim. I mean right. I'm I'm truly able to look at all of this as saying this happened for me now, not happened to me. Well, and I you know, I've I've um I've I've said you know, I've, I've been through some of the same exact stuff you've been through, um, most of it. And, and I, I, can, I can tell you that I, I am a victim, just like you are. You were a victim. However, you don't live with a victim mindset, just like me. So, so you know, and, and, and I don't like to, I mean, it's real. Somebody just said on Facebook that, that you know, childhood trauma is real and gut-wrenching, and it is, man. I saw a news report the other day, a couple days ago, um, on Facebook that, that they, the Michigan, they, they just found 123 children in a sex ring thing. And I'm like, like, Oh my God, like what in the heck is wrong with people, man? Like, I don't like if I was the father of one of those kids, cause I have two daughters and I'm telling you right now, <laughs> well, I, well, I better, I better not say it on air, but, but like, you know, <clears throat> Yeah. So, um, so you, so you grew, so you went to high, and this is all in California or Oklahoma, Oklahoma, by the way, we, when we, uh, when we moved back from, from Vegas back to Ohio, we went down through, uh, Texas and up through Oklahoma. And I'd always heard like, you know, Oklahoma has really bad storms. Well, it just so happened that day. Oklahoma may have had one of the worst storms they've ever had by my account. And I'm like, what in the, it looked like the bowels of hell were opening up. And like, I was like, what in the world is going on here? It was crazy, man. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like what? Well, that sounds about right. That's why I live in California. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, um, so you, the, you you went to school, I'm sure. You went to high school in Oklahoma, right? Oh, yeah. Did you graduate from high school? Oh, yeah. I graduated uh, from Westmore High School. I, um, I hung around Oklahoma City a little bit. I moved. I played football at a school called Northeastern, got hurt, ended up becoming a college cheerleader, um, ended up moving back to the city, uh, Oklahoma City, to do, go to, to go to, to finish college. Yeah. And I found out the night, speaking of tornadoes, May 3rd, 1999, I found out that night as I'm sitting on a couch at a buddy's house, watching the news, watching a tornado hit my house. Uh. I got a phone call from Hawaii Pacific University telling me I had a full ride scholarship for cheerleading. And I was like, and Jarrell was the guy that called me and he said, why aren't you more excited? I'm like, because, uh, um, yeah, I'm watching a tornado hit my house right now. And oh I don't know where I'm going to live. And and then finally it goes, well, come on out. So I end up leaving for Hawaii like a couple, like maybe a month later and sleeping on someone's couch until I found a place to live until school started. In Hawaii. Yeah, in Honolulu. Yeah, it was great, dude. Like uh, a a couch in Hawaii is way better than a couch in Oklahoma. I'm not judging, but it uh, sounds way better. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> pretty incredible. And then very fortunate to uh, 
found a great place to live, and I, I, it was a great experience. I wish, to be honest with you, that freedom, I, I discovered drugs in college and, 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 and drugs, and it was ecstasy and cocaine first. Jeez. That's when I started, like, all of these night terrors and these, 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 these things that were haunting me that I didn't know what they were. All of a sudden, those nightmares started to flip into fantasies through drugs. Oh, wow. Started to make those demons that were coming at me a lot more seductive. And really, that's when the wheels, I mean, I was angry and pissed off. And I would, it, all of that stuff helped me in football. It was really bad on the golf course. Really bad on the golf course. <laughs> right. Going to golf clubs at old ladies. <laughs> I mean, I just I had a violent temper. But football a lot was such, I, I, I wasn't that talented, but I was always so angry that it fueled the success I had. Wow. In cheerleading, it really didn't work that well either. Um, yeah. But my competitive spirit allowed me to be good enough to get scholarships. I ended up moving to uh, Florida, South Florida, after a year in Hawaii, moved to Boca Raton, and had a scholarship there as well to wow. Florida Atlantic University. That is when sex and drugs started to mix together because there's like that, that world – the cheerleading world in, uh, <laughs> in college is a free for all in a lot of ways, and I don't want to like blanket make a blanket statement. Let's just put it this way: people get really comfortable with each other, and then you throw drugs into the mix, and a whole other world opens up. Wow! And being exposed to that, and then also being in a highly, highly accessible any type of sex that you want to explore wow. in any dark realm is available in South Florida and a lot of the major cities. Yeah. But South Florida was when I got in, I walked into hell the first time and found a lot of comfort there and never really got out. Wow. <clears throat> okay, so um so so college became interesting. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> it got real interesting. It's really hard to talk about this yeah. without uh, offending people because it, yeah. it, it, it gets dark and darker from there on out. Yeah. So so you um, here you are living a life of um, of of let's just call it insanity, man, because that kind of is what it is, right? Um, and I'm a recovered alcoholic, so I can relate, man. I'm telling you the, the, the all of it. So, so you, um, so here you are. Did you, did you end up finishing college? Did you graduate college? Did you get a degree? I, I, I something told me you didn't. I, um, no, I went to, I, I was in college to party and, uh, have a good time. I, school didn't really mean anything. Now, and in, in the flip side of all this, I was also really, really good at what I did professionally. I worked with complex disabilities for 18 years. I'm, I was, I, I still to this day, I, when I see a power wheelchair with like a head control or mouth control, I get really, really excited. And I, and I love to speak to, you know, whether it's somebody with ALS or muscular dystrophy or a spinal cord injury, I, I I know that world really well and you know everything from the negotiations with the insurance company and fighting on behalf of the the patient uh i just that system as a whole i worked in it for 18 years wow and it's something that i i was so good at 
and so passionate about it that it served as an amazing mask that no one knew the hell that I was really living in and the hell that I was causing uh, because my work served as my mask. Right, right. I finished college, but I had a great job. Right, right. Um, making really, really good money while I was in college, but I was even coasting with that. Like everything was an illusion, and it was meant to disguise the shadows that I was living in. Wow, dude. So, so tell me. Um, so you didn't graduate college. Um, you got a job. You quit college, I guess, or got thrown yeah. out. No, I had the job. I had the job while I was in college. I just decided I, after getting a phone call, OU Texas. It was during the OU Texas game, two thousand three. I found out that I had a three year old daughter. Oh wow! And uh, ended up. Uh, I didn't believe that she was mine. Another guy thought she was the father, and or thought he was the father. Yeah. And um, I ended up moving back to Oklahoma because. That was the right thing to do. Um, I, you know, I had no business being a father um, or in a relationship with anybody, but that didn't stop me. Uh, right. So, yeah, I moved <laughs> to Oklahoma. I, I thought, I, and I ended up, you know, coming in to take over the family business. And, but while I was there, I, uh, yeah, that I got he made started making even more money and that fueled a cocaine habit that wouldn't stop. Yeah. Um, I ended up convincing myself that I needed to marry this woman because she was going to make me a better man and a better father. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. None of that was true because I was I was living a double life the entire time that we had a relationship. Um, <sighs> wow. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's never really fun. I haven't talked about this one in a long time, but, um, man, I, 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 I was so confused about who I was and I had done so many drugs at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm 20, 22, 23 years old now and, and I'm already doing like an eight ball of cocaine three to four days a week. Um, is that a lot? I, I know I never get, I never did. Anyone who's done cocaine will tell you that somebody can do an eight ball in one sitting is, is, uh, it's got a problem. And, uh, I, uh, I have one mode with anything I do and that's go. I mean, yeah. (laughs) When I fuel fuel my energy to the right stuff, it's, (laughs) it's, it's amazing what I can do. And, uh, the, and what you know, what God can do through me when I'm putting my energies in the right place. But yep. the minute I divert my path, oof, yeah. I'm a, I'm the Tasmanian devil times ten in the destruction <laughs> I can cause. But it started then. Yeah. Um, you know, I battled. I just in all transparency, because I don't hide this on my show, Gratitude Unfiltered. I talk about this all the time yeah. because I know there's a lot of people that struggle with this. But I didn't know. If, if I was bisexual, if I was straight, if, if what I was, I didn't know if I was just a freak. Um, but you know, these drugs that gave me comfort were also giving me the courage to go out and explore this world that just got darker and darker and mixing 
sex and drugs with basically anything that walked and sometimes the mattress. Wow. I, 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 this, this, like sex came with drugs and drugs came with sex. There was no, and alcohol always led to drugs. Yeah. I didn't have any like dating experience that was sober. I didn't have marriage experiences. I didn't have a sexual experience that was sober. I I didn't have any of it. Yeah. And, and it just got darker and darker and darker as the years go. I mean, I, I, so I got married uh, because I thought that was the right thing to do. And this, my- and you were 22, 23 when you yeah. got married? Yes, the first time. The first time. Right, right. This, this, I, the, yeah. Right, um, right. We ended up having twins. Uh, I got arrested. I'm sorry, I get back up. I got arrested for the second time when I was married um, because I was seeking a, um, an, a massage girl slash escort. Um, I got arrested. It was very public. I was Slash all over the cop, news. it sounds like. Yeah, oh yeah. She <laughs> yeah. was way too good looking. Uh, <laughs> to be real, but you know, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. Right, uh, right. So wow. my sex arrest was then. Um, that was humiliating because they posted it. I mean, it was over. It was in national newspapers. Wow. It, it was very public. They had a, they had a link to the address of my house. Oh, geez. Um, wow. You know, you think that would have taught me, but no, it, 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 I, I was able to kind of talk my way through it a little bit. We stayed married. Um, and, and, you know, like there was forgiveness there. The twins were born. I'm thinking, Oh, this is going to change my life. No. Um, I got worse. Um, uh. Jeez. I, it got to the point that I just quit coming home because I was just doing cocaine all night. Um, I didn't care anymore. I hated my life. I got up to 300 pounds almost. It was like 290 pounds at my heaviest. And and uh, and how old were you at this point? This is 24, 25 now. Wow, dude. And uh, and doing uh, cocaine made me fat. Like it really made me fat. Which really? It's supposed to have the opposite effect, but. I wouldn't eat for two to three days, but then when I would eat, it would be donuts and uh, Hardee's biscuits and cheeseburgers and sausage and biscuits and just like trying to stuff down the shame any way that I could. Right. Um, I finally got forced to go to rehab. I'm sorry, before rehab, uh, this is an important part of the story. Uh, the, The mom, of the, my wife, the, my ex mother-in-law, she was really insistent on me getting involved in a program like essay, yeah. something like that. So I started going Yeah. and I'm around priests that molested boys. I'm around other people that were, I mean, basically it was a trigger, massive, massive trigger for me. And I didn't want to go, Yeah. but like I'm trying to save face, trying to save the marriage and they're constantly pressuring me to keep going. And, and then find a sponsor. I'm like, who out of these creeps? I'm mean, yes, I'm I'm judging these people, calling them creeps, and I'm there. <laughs> right. Like who out of like who who's gonna be my yeah. like a sponsor out of this group? Right. Like right. this is a horrible idea. Yeah. Like, they kept pressuring, and I gave in, and I said, okay, fine. So I, I the guy goes, all right, we're gonna meet. We'll meet up before blah blah blah. So 
And then, and then we're going to go have coffee with a group of people right before the meeting starts. But I'll meet you early. So I show up at this church where these SA meetings are, getting this guy's car, and he asks me, so like, why are you in here? And as I'm telling him the story about how I got arrested with this escort, he takes his hand and puts it over on my... Uh. So I freaked out. Like, there's this thing that you get paralyzed with fear, but then I snapped to reality and I punched him. Then get out of the, I, I, like, get out of the car. And from then on out, I, I don't say anything that happened. I don't, I just pretend that I'm going to meetings and I end up starting to go hang out with this girl that I knew before I was married and we were doing cocaine and having sex and everything else. And I do that. And then on the way home, I would look at the N.A. book or the, the S.A. book and I would recite something and pretend that was the meeting. Wow. Because I didn't want it to be known. The cocaine use got so bad that eventually I quit coming home. And then after that, I was that got exposed and had to go to rehab. And then that's when my first divorce happened. And this this all the while, all the while um, you're you're doing cocaine, having sex with this other woman and you've got a wife, your first daughter, and the twins at home. Oh, that, so where, there was something important there. Um, after I got caught with the escort, or what I thought was the escort, um, I, the mom, uh, the, my ex-wife, and the, my ex-mother-in-law were very insistent that I let my daughter go back to her mom. Uh... And her mom was a meth addict. And, um, and I have, we had custody of her. Well, she ended up going back. And after she went back, I used that as an excuse to pretty much say F everybody. And yeah. I became angry and dove even darker into yeah. the drug use in the world that I was in. And, and there's a lot of people probably watching that don't, that don't understand that or can't relate, but I can. Wait, it gets way worse. I promise. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think that, that people, people need to understand that, you know, alcoholics and addicts, um, man, we'll use a hangnail as a, as a reason to go, to go get messed up. Right. So, so like, <laughs> like here you are, dude, you're literally setting yourself up to have the perfect excuse every single time. And again, I can relate to that, but you're setting yourself up to have the perfect excuse every time. So, so here you are now, um, you end up in rehab. Is that right? In a treatment center, right? Yeah. Um, and you're 26, 27. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah so I, it. right, right. So what, like I, what, what happens like, next? What happens next? Um, I go to rehab and have the time of my life, um, except for the detox period. I, I love being around everyone. I, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the experience. Like I honestly would have stayed there and it was, it wasn't reality. Like, right. Sitting in meetings all day, talking about stuff. I, this is not hard. <laughs> I mean, I, the no caffeine, the no sugar, I end up losing like 60 something pounds and like I, I got in better shape and I'm like, this is amazing. But I end up getting, there's now there's a lot of pressure. I'm getting divorced 
And now there's pressure for me to get home and work because I have this spousal support and child support that I have to pay. I mean, I was married for a year and a half and, and that my bill was quite hefty. And I'm like, Oh crap, what do I do? Right. And around this time, you know, Medicare had some major changes. All the budgets got cut in half. So basically my income got cut in half. Right. And, uh, so I couldn't even afford to pay a lot of this, what's being required of, of me. Yeah. And that just cut stacking. So next thing I know, I'm getting an email saying, hey, you're behind on your child support. What would you like us to do about this? And I was able to read between the lines. And long story short, they were trying to either say, we're going to make your life hell or you can give the kids up for adoption because oh. my ex was getting married. <clears throat> well, I I, I was like, it's the, I was convinced it was the right thing to do, and it was because I had no business being a father. But speaking of using that as an excuse, yeah. I, through the massage girls that I like to see prior, because I was seeing a lot of escorts and massage girls and just being a real piece of crap. Um, wow. I I discovered meth um, in that in that world. And um, wow, dude. To say that that opened the 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 back door to hell. Um, <sighs> That is a, that that drug is a mother. Um, yeah, I it, it 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 it. You know, with cocaine, you kind of stay in reality a little bit. With meth, reality, you it's like living in Earth too. It's everything is opposite, and it's it's it's. I swear to you, it was created by Satan. Um, wow. In in. And it, and it is a son of a, to, 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 the way it lies to you, the demons it allows into your life. Um, but that, op when I, when I discovered meth, it really accelerated my path to hell quickly. Um, and I, it was something that I would try to fight with and couldn't win. And, uh, for a long time. When you say when you when you say you tried to fight with it, um, explain. I know what you mean, um, but but what? Tell me. Tell everybody watching. There's a lot of people watching right now, and 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 we've had a lot of people share it out on Facebook. So thank you for that. But um, this is powerful, man. I'm 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 really uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of blown away at this moment, but. Um, so, so when you say that you tried to fight with it, explain that, what do you mean by that? Like what, what's that mean? You tried to fight with meth. So I, I, I'm going to pull an analogy out of my butt here, but imagine ladies, imagine Prince Charming, like everything that you dreamed Prince Charming to be men think about the ultimate seduction, the ultimate, this is going to take your pain away. This is going to make you feel amazing. This is going to make you feel loved. This is going to thrill you. This is exciting. Everything that you love, basically, presented to you going, this is going to give it to you. And it's all delivered through manipulation and lies of this demon 
it's a demon. I, I, it gives birth to a demon inside of you that knows exactly how to screw with your reality to make you believe that something is real when it's not. It's, it, it's like having two different people inside of you and that darker person that's inside of you sometimes if it gets enough of a foothold it will take control in a way that you almost didn't even see it coming <clears throat> until the after effect wow it's seducing it lies and i'm not making there's look there's no excuse because my actions were my actions i made those choices truthfully i did have the power over it i just didn't declare or i just didn't believe it enough yeah. to make it go away and 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 there's probably some worthiness issues in there there's some you know sure. self-love issues that i would allow myself to be seduced by something so evil but the fact is that it's it's seduced and and it and it and it, and it lied and I'm, you know, I'm, I talk about this stuff, you know, and it's just, it's just so hard to think about all the pain that's been caused because of just choices right. that I truly had the power over, but I, I surrendered that power over to this darker force in the hell that was caused because that seduction of spirit is how I got HIV. It's how I ended up in jail more times, six total. Wow. Um, overdoses, being homeless, um, bankrupt, yeah. Yeah. breaking my mom's heart, hurting people that tried to love me. Um, there's so many people like this monster is real and this is don't feel sorry for me. I, I like there is no reason I because I made these choices. Right. But I think about the women in my life that chose to love me regardless because they believed in me. They saw greatness in me even when I didn't see it in myself and and and, and to know that. Like I hurt those people and like I affected their lives, like knowing that two of the women that love me more than anybody are still screwed up because of the hell that I brought them into. And but it's just yeah. You oh, know, God, I, I, I I wanna I wanna say though that um, you know, I've seen some things that you're doing now. And, um, dude, you're definitely not on meth anymore. And if you are, holy crap, you're doing a good job hiding it. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but, but no, you're not, you're not on it anymore. And so let's, let's move into, because we, dude, we've already been on here 36 minutes. I can't even believe that. So like, let's move into the, 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 I mean, the story gets better, I hope. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's move oh, in. God. Let's let's fast uh, forward real quick. 
I, 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 I carry a little bit of this pain. Sure. Because of the people that I have in my world that I'm fighting for. And there's a lot of people that are suffering in silence, and I take that on. Yeah. I, yep. I'm fortunate. My interview last night, like with this, with this amazing woman who was trafficked, she was duped and she was tricked in the porn industry and got raped uh. on camera. And the way it was distributed out made it look like she was a willing participant in this. Oh, wow. And she just felt like. I, I understand like this demon so well, and I also understand the fight. So let's get in. Let's get into the good part. Yeah. Sixth time in jail. This time I don't really belong there, but I I tell them I'm in LA County, and I'm like, hey, so um, I have HIV, thinking it was going to give me special privilege because I knew about what General Pop was like. Yeah. And want no part of that. Like, I, I'm like, I just want to go, I need, I want special treatment is what I was telling myself. Yeah. Oh no. They put me in isolation. I swear to you, it was this, um, when I say isolation, it was a really small cell. There was other cells next to me. I couldn't see anybody, but I could hear their screams. I'm pretty convinced that it was a, like it was a psych ward. Wow. So I'm still high on cocaine and tequila. And realizing that here I am, where my, my girlfriend and I are both in jail again, and here I am, day one, I'm just angry, don't know what's going on. Day two, I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm in isolation, I've started to sober up, the reality of what's happened is now hitting me, and I'm thinking, what have I done with my life? I've thrown away every opportunity. I was just homeless, I just got back on my feet, and here I am in jail again. What is going on? Then I start screaming at God. Why won't you change me? Why won't you fix me like everybody else? Because you have to forgive your father. How am I supposed to do that? Because it happened to him too. I swear to you, for the very first time in my life, I felt compassion for my father, and that compassion was enough to just chip just a small little hole through my armor to allow God's love to poke through just enough for me to understand what love and forgiveness really was. Wow. And through compassion for my father and understanding that not only did this happen to my father, but the man that I've hated so much most of my life that I wanted nothing to do with, I'd become exactly like, but worse, worse than the man that I hated. Jeez. I, um... The compassion that I felt allowed me to forgive him. And um, I made, I, I started talking to God a lot differently and um, and I asked him to forgive me. And and I knew that, I knew that he died for my sins. I, the one thing that they gave me, I forgot. They wouldn't give me a magazine to read, but they, you know, I, I was like, oh, 
you have to give me a Bible. <laughs> I, I remember, I don't know where that come from. I think I watched too many shows, but I go, you have to give me a Bible. But I was reading the Bible and I'm scrolling through this little thing going, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. What the heck? <laughs> I've gone through different verses. I went to Proverbs and I'm, I'm reading Proverbs I'm like, I'm doing that wrong. I'm doing that wrong. I'm really doing that wrong. That's what led to my shouting match with God. I'm like, like, I love I it. Try to change. Anyway, so I end up giving I I surrender my life to Christ, and I kid you not, I got knocked on my butt and lifted up at the same time. I'll never forget the experience because it was like lightning shot through me, and I made a decision that my life was no longer my own because every time I tried to be in control of my life, I screwed it up. Right. Doesn't mean I haven't tried to screw it up since, but I'm I'm facing five years in jail. I give my life to Christ, and I'm like, you know what? I am here to, I, 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 even if it's behind bars, I'm committed to serving you. I'll do whatever you call me to do. Four days later, supposed to see the judge, didn't see the judge. Next thing I know, I'm on the streets of L.A., downtown L.A., going, well, this promise I made to God was a lot easier when I thought I was going to be in jail. Not to- <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm on the streets now. What am I going to do? And that is when I knew, I knew what he called me to do. I just didn't know how to get there. Yeah. Um, so wait, then- you're, so, so you get out of jail, you're on the streets, and all of a sudden you're like, renegotiating your commitment <laughs> or, oh, or I just didn't know what to do. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, like how was I supposed to, 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 to serve God? Like right. what, what is, what does serving God look like for me? Right. Right. And I'm like, well, it kind of, you use your gifts and your talents, the, the things that you're blessed with that you, our gifts that were given when we're born, we have not, we don't get credit for that. God gave that to us and we get to use it for other people. So I'm like, well, that's something. Well, how do I do that? I wasn't comfortable talking on camera. I wasn't comfortable doing anything. Right. But I, I learned, I had to teach myself about branding and like creating content and things like that. But I started doing videos and it was about like skincare reviews because I still had a job. Right. And I'm like, God, this is not what you want me to do. It felt so empty. Right. Long story short, I slowly, through the urging of a friend that came to visit, they said, you need to start documenting your journey. And, and I'm like, well, what is that? No one wants to hear from me. No one, give, no one gives a crap who I am. They go, just start talking about what's going on. Just start sharing this truth. You, people will pay attention. I'm like, okay, whatever. You're you're crazy. But I started. Um, wow. And that and that journey really changed everything. Um, and it's been a process and a lot of like, where's God in this? And but God keeps showing up right at the right time. I I literally just put out a little post last night saying, you know, look, God is never early. God is never late. He is always right on time. And, and although it feels like he's late sometimes, you know, I, and I've said, I've said, you know, before too, that like, 
you've heard the saying, and of course, like, you know, God will never give you more than you can, you can handle. I'm like, I just wish he didn't think so highly of me sometimes. <laughs> like, like, dude, dude, I think this is more than I can handle. And he's like, nope, you can handle more. Come on, man. And so that dude, that's, and that's what, you know, there is this, um, for a recovered alcoholic or, or addict, um, you know, there's this thing, this, this, a lot of times there's guilt because I'm sure you've seen many people go, you've been to their funerals, you know, I have, and, and, and it's like this guilt of like, why was I chosen? Well, the reason you were chosen is you have this massive gift you were given and it's your, your responsibility to make sure you share it. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. So, 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 so you, you, uh, your sixth time in jail, um, you, you're like, okay, dodged another bullet there. I committed to God. I was going to serve him. Committed your life to Christ. You, you, then what, what happened next? Um, well, how, my, how long uh, ago was that by the way? Uh, it's been four years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's been a struggle. I mean, look, I've, it's fighting. God has always provided miracles. Uh, but my journey back from being homeless, even with that job, I wasn't making enough money to really survive. Um, it, it's living in California, but I just felt like God, this is where God wanted me to be. And, you know, I, I kind of went off on my own and I'm like, I just trust I'm going to keep pushing and start, I'm going to start putting together this vision that I've had since I was a kid. And, and I just really believed in this vision. And every time that I hit the wall or what I thought was a rock bottom, every time I would get this vision of what my life would be if I chose to make the right decision, mm -hmm. like what was possible. And I always get, I get that for other people. I see it in products. I see it, you know, when I talk to people, like I see what God has meant for them. Right. Which is kind of cool. And then you get to see like, all right, this is what they have to do to get there. Right. I started, I didn't get it as detailed for myself, but I got it just enough to believe. Yeah. So against all logic, I just started taking a step in faith every day. I was willing to embarrass myself. I was willing to make mistakes. I was willing to look like an idiot. I was willing to fail publicly. I was, I was willing to do it all because I didn't have any other choice. I didn't have any money to go, hey, I'm gonna hire you to, to pay me. And then, of course, then again, when I did have money or someone would go, yeah, I'll give you a really good deal on this because I believe in you. And then I would go buy their product or service and then they wouldn't deliver. Um, that happened a lot. I learned a lot about the false prophets. I learned a lot about you know, really watching out for not following. So like we make the mistake of putting all these people on pedestals that we, that we watch and we watch their videos and stuff like that. And I'm yep. not trying to an audience here. I'm just saying we're worshiping the wrong people yep. because man, and the man it's flawed. Like I don't want me to be put on a pedestal either. And some people do. I mean, I'm taking my show off of Facebook live for the, cause I, I don't, I don't want to hear you're so great or you're, you're this and that. I don't want to hear those things cause I'm not. Like I'm, I'm, I, I just want to do the right thing. So anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. Yeah. I truly, um, 
Like I just started taking a step in faith every day and doing what scared me, but I felt led to do. Like I started trusting my spirit. And when my spirit said, don't follow what everyone else is doing, do this. Right. It doesn't make sense. I don't have a following. I don't have this. I don't have that. Do it anyway. Well, come to find out that strategy that God put in my spirit is is starting to really develop and take shape. And and, and the beauty is that it's snuck is going to sneak up on everybody. Yeah. But I trusted the spirit inside me to go. Yeah, everyone else is doing this. Everyone else is going to these courses or signing up or they're doing their content this way yeah. or they're taking their photos this way or they're mm. promoting themselves this way. No, you go that way. Take the narrow gate. Yep. <clears throat> and that was in faith every single day. But every time I obeyed what the spirit told me to do, yep. it was revealed almost immediately why I was called to do that. And I've made some crazy decisions. I got married to a woman I didn't know based on a vision and that marriage didn't work out. But the truth is where it positioned me and where it put me and where it put her one, it got me out of a very unhealthy relationship. It showed me what I get to work on to continue healing. Yeah. And it opened up a lot of doors <clears throat> for me. And that's all I, I live by faith and being guided by the spirit about 96.7% of the time. Well, and, and, and that's, you know, that's a great, great statement you just made because that like so many people dude, you know, uh, and I agree with you. There's a lot of people out there in the world and I've seen them, you know, I, I've got almost 17 years sober and, and, and in recovery and, and by the grace of God. And, you know, um, one thing that I will say, um, publicly on air with you is I disagree. I think that you are great and I think you need to own that. It's okay to own that. God expects you to own that. I totally, totally, totally believe that, but that's okay. We can disagree about that, man. I think you're a great dude and I think you have a, a very powerful message. And I, I tell people, look, if you have a powerful message, you have something to to teach the world, to share with the world that could save one single person's life. If you're not doing it on Facebook Live and getting out there using the greatest, largest platform ever made, known to mankind, like you're literally stealing from those people by not doing that. Yeah. So that's just my humble opinion. I think you're an amazing dude. You have an unbelievable story that can change lives, bro. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop what you're doing, man. You're, you're really oh, impacting not, the world. I want to be, I want to clarify. So I have a hundred, I, my shows on a hundred platforms worldwide. We, we share a lot of the same platforms. Ah. My podcast audience is great. Um, yeah. I'm building a YouTube audience. My I'm on the binge network like you. Yeah. yeah. I, I I have these other outlets. I the reason why I want to take away I'll be this is straight up. The reason yeah. why I want to do it on Facebook Live is because I am so engaging with my audience that I also like to reply to every comment. Uh, I I have comments sometimes that get into I had one that got into the thousands. Uh, I I I reply to every one of them and I realize that wow. I'm spending so much time replying to comments that I'm taking away from my focus yeah. of what God called me to do 
and that is to serve him, not spend my days on Facebook. Well, also, and I, I, I hear you, dude. I, I, I used to do that. I can't anymore. I don't have the time. I love everybody that follows my show, and I really genuinely appreciate it. But I, <laughs> like, like, hey, what'd you do today? Oh, I replied to comments on Facebook. So that's not real. I get that. But so, so let's, yeah. dude, we're, we're, we're coming to an end here. We have eight minutes left. I cannot even believe it. We may need to do another show. Cause, cause dude, your, your, okay. your story is powerful. It's very, very powerful. So, so, um, let me, let me, let me ask you this. And, and, you know, <laughs> I know you've been here. So I want to say, like, if, if let's, what do you think, in your opinion, take the drugs and alcohol out of it for a minute and just say a, a, a regular old person trying to figure it out, life, um, that, that's, that's, you know, we see, you know, my buddy Grant Cardone and we see Ed Milets of the world who was recently on your show. You interviewed Ed, phenomenal interview. I saw about half of it. I have not seen the whole thing yet. But like, you know, you interviewed Ed Milet, you've interviewed some amazing people. Um, and, and, you know, so you see these people, Ed Milet with his houses everywhere and his beautiful jet and his, he's such a wonderful man. But like the people that are out here trying to figure it out, they're trying to figure out success. They're trying to figure out, you know, how to get to the next level in their business or in their careers or in life. What do you think holds most people back? Love. Loving yourself. I mean, I think it starts there um, because I think that all the, ch the choices that you make all reflect, I, I think the choices you make reflect the love that you have for yourself. And I don't, I'm not talking about a narcissistic love. I'm talking about loving yourself to make the right choices you know, is this good for me? Does this serve me? Does this, is this serve my calling? Is this in line with God's purpose for my life? It all, to me, it all comes back to love. Lo uh, loving, loving yourself primarily. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's just, it spirals out of control from that. You know, if we shame ourselves, we guilt ourselves to death, that, that will affect the, the decisions that we make for yeah. our life. So, I mean, so, so if, if somebody called you up, I I've told this story many times, I tell it quite often, but I, one, one day, um, I had a vehicle repossessed in front of a bunch of my employees <laughs> and that, that was a horrible day, but you know, like, like, you know, if some dude, somebody called you up, some, some man, woman, whatever called you up and said, man, Josh, I'm just, and I'm, I, I call you, you said I could call you Josh. So, um, so they call you and they say, listen, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. I, I don't know what to do. Um, my car was repoed last week. They're shutting my electric off tomorrow. I'm getting, I'm getting evicted. I'm losing everything. I can't figure it out. I work so hard and I just can't make it work. I'm at the end of my rope. I have no hope left. What do you say to that person in that moment to help them help them? Because it, it does, it is, it is right here, man. A lot of it's right there. It's the thoughts that you're having, but what do you say to that person? Well, I mean, there's, a, there's so many different things to say, but I think the very first question that I would be led to ask 
what is it that you're holding on to in your life? What is it that you're still doing that you know, that you know that doesn't belong in your life? Is Boom. It, is it, is it sex? Is it drugs? Is it self-hatred? Is it overeating? Is it, what is it? There's something in your life that you're holding on to that doesn't belong to you anymore. In fact, it probably never belonged to you. So that's wow. where I would start. And sometimes, to be honest, sometimes it's two or three things. But yeah. because it, th that to me would be the very first thing I would ask. Wow, dude. That's actually very, very, very powerful. That's very powerful. And you're right, man. People are holding on to things they shouldn't be holding on to. They know it doesn't belong in their life, and 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 it's holding them back. Denial, dude. Denial's not a river in Egypt, y'all. Like it's <laughs> it's it's. I'm 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 telling you, it's um it's powerful. It's very very powerful. Denial's yeah. bad. So so look, man. How first off. For anyone who doesn't know you, um, how do they, what's the best place to follow you? I mean, I love Facebook. <laughs> so yeah. you can look me up on Facebook. Um, I'm going to be less active. I mean, it, it may not appear. I just, I'm avoiding the spending all day commenting and replying on, on things. Um, yeah. Facebook's a great place. Just look me up, Joshua T. Berglund. You can Google Gratitude Unfiltered. Or just go to thejoshuatberglund.com. I I do stuff on Instagram, but honestly, I don't really. I know Instagram is the greatest platform ever, but I don't use it for anything other than promoting gratitude unfiltered. I'm not doing anything different there than I am Facebook. Right, right, dude. You have a powerful story, and um, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna continue changing some lives. I just know it. I'm so Thanks. grateful that you you took the time, got up early. <laughs> I well, I'm now I'm going to do my quiet time now. Yeah. So I yeah. I'm gonna quiet time. So that's why I don't talk to people till eleven. So yeah. Well, I really time. I I'm, I genuinely appreciate you um, taking the time to be on the show today, sharing your story, your powerful transparency, man. I mean. That that's gonna help a lot of people. A lot of people. Keep being you. You freaking rock, dude. You rock. I appreciate you very much, and I am very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you. So don't hang up on Skype, but we're gonna end the Facebook Live. I want to thank everybody for watching today's show. Share this out if you didn't share it already. If you did share it, thank you for that. You may be helping somebody that you don't even know. So thank you. I appreciate you all. And Joshua, thank you. I really appreciate you being on. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too, brother. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. You guys, have a great day, and we will see you soon. Don't hang up, dude. See you guys. <laughs>